you ever felt the pull or tug that there's more to life? Something left unseen and where more awaits you. Welcome to the House of Minds, a podcast experience where we dive into the depths with the potential to discover keys to unlock and expand your mind into new realities and possibilities for you and your life. All you must bring is a desire to learn, an open mind, and the trust that the universe is always working for you. What will the House of Minds bring you today? Recording. All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of House of Minds. My name is Christina and I'll be your host today. And today we're, we'll be speaking with Andy Clothier. She's a local. Clothier. Phoenix, I'm sorry. <laughs> you, you go ahead and, and say it if you wouldn't mind, Andy. It's Clothier. Clothier. Is that, yes. is that origins um, European? Well, it's a French Canadian. So it's okay. my husband's name. I love it. I love it. it less, has less fancy accent on it. <laughs> thank, thank you for correcting me. I appreciate that. Um, so we'll be speaking with her today. She's a local Phoenix yoga instructor, and we're going to be diving into her background with yoga, her philosophy with yoga, how it's benefited her, and also any takeaway messages. Um, and what I've always, I'll start just by leading about what I've always loved about Andy um, and her yoga classes. And kind of my takeaway from all of her classes is her presence, her mindfulness, and her unique perspectives and view on yoga, where she really does her best to make it an inclusive. Yoga is for everybody, and it's not so serious. Um, it's still fun, really uh, loving the body, accepting the body where it's at, and having fun with the practice because um, that's part of the journey as well. So I've always appreciated that about you. Thank um, you. Yes, of course. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to have us start off with you leading a little bit of grounding, mindfulness, presence, just for about a minute or so, so that we can fully enter into a conscious conversation today. Awesome. Okay, let's just close our eyes for a moment. Get yourself comfortable, settled in. Just rest your hands somewhere comfortable on your lap. Place your palms up too, so it can be just a little bit more open, signals yourself to soften. And just kind of focus your awareness on your breath, just your natural breath. So start to harness it and direct the awareness in words. Just allow your face to soften, skin to soften. Allow yourself to just kind of open, you focus on the heart space, open yourself. to really the possibilities that are all around you. 
for this to be an open conversation, whether you're just listening, Take one more nice deep breath in through the nose. Followed by a slow breath out. Letting your chin draw down towards your chest, the gaze towards the heart. To invoke a little bit more metta, metta, loving kindness. Metta. Metta. Let the eyes softly open. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Fully present. And um, would you mind if we set a little intention um, for the conversation as well? Sure. I mean, for me, I just really like the conversation to just be like, I always like to be just honest and, you know, raw and uh, just authentic and maybe even a little messy. That's cool. It's, you know, we're all on a healing journey. And so I think just allowing it to, to just be human, to be really human. I love, I love that. I love that. And those are the words that I've pictured and envisioned and I'm always left with whenever I leave practice with you. So I love okay. that you picked those words and yes, definitely authentic, vulnerable, real. And within those words, that's where we find true empowerment, right? Because as humans, we all have our own shit. It's always going to come up. We're not perfect beings yeah. and we're all allowed to be perfectly imperfect. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, and real quick, before we get into it, just cause I hadn't heard the term before meta, is that a term for heart opening, like heart space? Yeah. Loving kindness. It's loving kindness. And it's really, um, it's really like a, a heart centered meditation that I love to do and a way that I've always really kind of, um, like to, if, if I can, sometimes I, I don't always have the opportunity before I teach a class, especially, but definitely before I practice is to just take a moment just to start the, the practice always from the heart, you know, with that loving kindness where it's your practice or your teaching is, is going to come from compassion and joy and all the things that you would think of when you think of the heart space and of loving kindness, right? For, for really all beings, you know, for all of us. I love that. I love that. And that you infuse that intention into, into the practice okay. itself and into yourself before you start the practice. I love that. Yeah. It's really important. I think, especially as a teacher before you're beginning a beginning, a any class, you know, to center yourself there. Yes. And then you also not only make it, it becomes more than yourself, right? You're extending exactly. the invitation yes. to everybody else. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about how you got into yoga, where it started. I know you've shared this story with me and I love, love, love this story because it really goes to show that 
you can go into yoga from anywhere and anybody. And all it really takes is that willing heart, right? And that love for it. So please share um, how you started. Thank you. Sure. Well, um, you know, really, I started practicing like the poses, you know, yoga asana as a little kid, just kind of mimicking my parents. Um, So my (laughs) biological father and my mother, I grew up in Florida. um, And we always we always lived in these like great places. We lived by like on a bayou. Um, One time we just had like a lot of, a lot of neighbors with animals and stuff running around. So like my memory of it was like, like kind of like we lived on a farm. We had a lot of Greek neighbors with goats and there were a million cats running around and stuff. And my dad liked to grow a lot of vegetables, you know, and he was, um, he was a little bit older to be called like a hippie. He was more like from the beatnik era. He's like 16 years older than my mom, but my mom definitely um, total OG hippie. And, you know, they would, we would use aloe for everything. You know, aloe was like hair gel for my dad and like, <laughs> you know, growing vegetables and just like, um, but you know, they also, they also, you know, they were hippies, they smoked weed and they drank and they had parties and all this stuff, but they, they did yoga. I remember my dad would just like sit in meditation and I don't even know what he was doing. Sometimes he would just like sit in the yard, like on a chair for like hours. And sometimes his eyes would be closed and sometimes they weren't, you know? And, um, so just like seeing that, and then um, in full nature, in full nature, in full too. nature, in full, sometimes in full nature, like naked. So, okay. Okay. <laughs> my dad never had a shirt on. Um, so just like kind of mimicking that when I was a kid and it, yeah. they used to kind of work out a little bit. And I mean, but it was, a, you know, it was, they also were, were drunks actually. I mean, to be fully honest, my okay. dad was a, and my mom both alcoholics. Um, my mom actually, they got a divorce. My mom actually quit drinking when I was about nine. Um, but my dad went back and forth, but I mean, he would still practice. He would still practice meditation. He would still do yoga. And so I don't know, I guess as a, at a young age, that kind of, that put it into my head, which is still my philosophy. It's like yoga doesn't matter what you did the night before. It doesn't matter what you did five minutes before. I mean, really maybe some of the other philosophies and, you know, the healthier way of life will seep into your, seep into your practice. Um, But it, it really kind of instilled, and I still have that with me to this day is that it doesn't matter. You know, you can do angry yoga, happy, like, you come to your mat the way that you are. And, and so I think just like seeing that growing up, you know, has really stuck with me. And yeah. my, my dad would like do headstand and there's a story and I don't know if this is true. And my mom's probably going to listen to this. I don't know if this is true. Um, but getting real, I think he was like in jail and, um, he used to do really dumb shit when he was drinking. Okay. Yeah, that typically typically goes along with it. Typically does. And so he like was standing on his head for a really long time, like doing a headstand, like in the jail cell. And um, I think they let him go because they thought he was like nuts. And so he just left. 
they just were like, okay, buddy, you can, you're too, you you're too yogi for us. You're too calm now. <laughs> you, you clearly don't belong here. Yeah. He could go both ways. He could go both ways. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So and I love that because taking it back, it, it, you've always infused that acceptance into the classes that I've taken with you. So it sounds like it started, it's kind of their legacy, right? Um, yeah. And you can't, you can't change. You can't make any change in your life without acceptance. Um, and I mean, we talk about it in the, in yoga that you're always coming back, right? You can always start over. You can always yeah. begin again. So it reinforces yeah. that, that coming back to that starting point, no matter what you've done, no matter right. what you did yesterday, the, a week before a year ago, you're always exactly. coming back to, to the power of now, essentially, where change yeah. starts. Um, do, do you feel like, so there's that a balance, right? In that, in the alcoholism and, and um, drugs, but then you're also still the mindfulness of the yoga. Do you feel like that helped your parents still maintain and stay in reality versus just definitely my mother? Death? Definitely my mother. My mother ultimately um, got sober, quit drinking, went into, you know, she was hardcore 12 step Alcoholics mm -hmm. Anonymous meetings. I mean, she did the work, you yeah. know, she did the work. I like it, she was, she was very, um, she was hell bent on making it better. Like she grew up in an alcohol environment too, you know, so she was, she didn't want it to be the same. She didn't want that to continue. Yeah. So she really did the work and definitely then my mom, I think, yeah, she took me to my very first yoga class ever. Okay. Um, How you know, you? even though we had practiced, but like a real yoga class, like it was like, um, like through uh, community education, you know, like I remember the chick was wearing like a full leotard yeah. and like leg warmers. And was it the was the eighties. <laughs> no, it was actually the nineties, but okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, definitely for my mom, it, it helped to anchor her and she still, she still practiced a little bit. We used to do like the um, NPR. I can't remember Lilith can't remember her name somebody is gonna know it but um okay. we used to do those it, like not NPR it was um the TV one the the public television there was a woman who did yoga in the morning okay. and so we would wake up and we would do that and then my mom got like some books and stuff and we would do that together so um what a beautiful she was pretty legacy. stoked when I started teaching yeah. <laughs> she's really stoked well, does she, she come take five. your classes does she still she practice? did she okay. did. She did when I, um, when I first started teaching at a studio, cause I taught for a while without really being certified. Mm -hmm. Um, but she did when I first started teaching at a studio full time, she used to come a lot to, I did a, a beautiful gentle yoga class where it was like, we never left our mats. It was like everything it wasn't restorative, but yeah. And she loved it. She loved it. And it's really helped her. She has COPD. So it's, it's helped her and she still does a lot of breathing work and stuff. Mm -hmm. So yeah. With the lung capacity. I love yeah. that. I love that. How, so you said you were 12, 12 when you're nine, nine. Okay. Nine. Yeah. Still, still. And then did your father continue to practice on as well? 
Yeah, I mean, he did a lot of stuff. He eventually, he was kind of like a wanderer, I guess. So he would um, leave on a sailboat for a little while and go do something and then come back. He was always in and out of drinking, really. Okay. Um, so probably not so much. I think he just went down the ugly road eventually a little bit too far. Yeah. 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 And well, it's, I mean, cause when you're in a coupleship too, you kind of have that balance off each other. Right. Yeah. And sometimes you can help kind of pull the other person and, mm-hmm. um, to have some kind of accountability. And once that leaves, sometimes that can be a little bit harder. Like you have to yeah. step up and be accountable yeah. um, on your own. So but a lot of things that I took from my dad though, it wasn't, I mean, and this can be in the realm of yoga. Cause I, I think it's like that, that term is like, you know, we can, we can talk about the practice on our mat, you know, but also from my dad, I learned a lot about, like we were saying before, like, doesn't matter what you did before, you know, like he would get sober for a while and then, you know, he would be meditating and he would be playing the guitar. And it was like all those things. And that really taught me, that's how I got so creative because I would, to ground myself, go, I would draw or I would, you know, try to like, I got a a djembe, an African drum, and I would try to, I would do that. So even if I wasn't like meditating or if I wasn't practicing asana on my mat, it was all those tools that I really saw growing up as a way to, to come back and recenter yourself. And, you know, he ultimately, it, it didn't work for him. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't something that he wanted to focus on. He wanted to drink more than, than he wanted to do. So he, he took off and he did that and, yeah. you know, God bless him. He eventually, eventually died from it. So yeah, we, we all make our own choices. Yeah. That's, that is how life leads. And I, I love that you bring up that, um, that point about the tools and I didn't mean to brush over your, your father's death either. That, no. that must've been a tough time and bless him, bless him <laughs> in peace. Um, and my brain jumps back to the tools because he gets excited because there are so many tools beyond just even the world of yoga itself that helps you ground back in and center yourself. For some people, it, it can be hiking, which is still kind of a meditative movement. And even if you look- totally even if you look at like the create creative arts of drawing, mm-hmm. painting, music, you're drawing your full attention into your body to be present to what you're creating. Mm-hmm. So it's still a, like still a meditative process that brings you back into the present moment. So I feel like there are different processes for different people. And while yoga is a great tool that works for many, it's also not an end all be all. And there's tools beyond that might work for someone else, but you can't change the fact that you do still have to use those tools to come back to the present moment because the present moment is where everything lives. And the more we go into um, things that numb our reality, like the alcohol or drugs, mm-hmm. then we, be, we become more and more detached from that reality, right? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And there has to be some kind of radical acceptance too of that. I mean, I've struggled myself yeah. with addiction. And I'm not hundred percent, I'm not perfect, um, but I do no have the tools. I have the tools that I can 
you know, I would say nine times out of 10, I can go and I can, I can pull myself out of going into a dark place. Yeah. I love and that. that's pretty good. Yeah. Um, and Absolutely. you know, because I mean, I've, I would probably be dead in a ditch if I hadn't started, started at least teacher training when I did. Yeah. Yeah. I would probably be dead in a ditch. And I, I want to get to that, that point, um, and kind of move on into that where, where it led into the training and even before, cause I know you have an interesting history with that too. Um, but that brings up a good point. It sounds like, have you ever heard the saying that we're born to the parents that we're supposed to be, and we're always here in this journey and we're given everything we need to kind of move on to higher consciousness and kind of up level. There's different ways you can phrase it, but mm-hmm. do you grasp what I'm saying? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I mean, and, and you can get into like ancestral trauma and stuff yeah. like that too. Yeah. It's like, that's a lot of, that's a lot. To break, that yeah, break, another- break those patterns. But totally. here's the, the gift, right? Because there's the two sides of it where, the, it, and it's the, the polarity and the duality and the nature of all things is going to be, there's the two sides and you can't mm-hmm. have this one without the other one. That's just how it is. And the more we can accept that, then the more we have that acceptance and we, we can move on into it, but we're all going to have our traumas, but we're also going to have our gifts from it. And it's when we can, can turn the perspective and appreciate the gift. We don't want to dishonor the pain either of the trauma itself, but having those dualities of the radical acceptance, right? Of this happened and the forgiveness um, as well, the forgiveness for yourself and then for others. Mm-hmm. And then also pulling in the, um, the gifts that it gives you, maybe the resilience and or the strength to then move on and do better and be better. And it is a choice yeah. and you have to choose it, but it does give you those gifts. It sounds like you have the, the, those were gifts that were given to you. Oh, for sure. And I mean, the one thing that I, I say this over and over again, and I know like I've been, I've been teaching, I've been, you know, evolving as a teacher, but there are a few things that I've been saying, you know, for the past 12, 13 years that still just are like part of my truth. And that's, you know, that, um, we can't, we can't, we we can't control what happens to us. Right. But, but yoga and just mindfulness practice, whatever that is, just being mindful of your breath, doing breath work, or, you know, taking the time to really get into, you know, painting or drawing or writing or whatever the hell it is that you do, you, you can start to see how you're allowing those traumas to live with inside of you. And to come out of you, you know, in your relationships and your actions and stuff. Mm -hmm. And those are, those are heavy, awesome tools because, you know, we don't have, we can't control what's going to happen to us, but we definitely can, can work on, um, and move through how we allow those things to live within us. I I love that. And that's, so that's building the awareness. Like it's, almost like stepping outside so that you can get the bird's eye view and the tools give you that space to do so. Um, because when we're and in also the, to feel it, yeah, feel it. Yeah. To feel it without getting drawn into the spiral. Um, right. and, 
the spiral is like when your thoughts start racing and or you can't right. see past it. So we we need those mindfulness tools to bring out our true presence and almost give us the space to kind of then you have this distance where you can feel it and and you have the space to become a little bit more curious about it. And, yeah. huh, and that's where the, the solutions and the awareness grows and builds. And then I would even say that through the building of the awareness, you can start to control not all of it, because there's always going to be things that can happen. In oh, life, yeah. But you have more of a sense of control over what is happening right. in your reality because you change, right? For me, for me, yeah, it, it, it like helped me to, because I mean, I, I dealt with a lot of, you know, I guess you would just in just lay, lay terms called daddy issues yeah. from the abandonment and from the drinking and all that stuff oh. that happened. So I, I mean, I can just the fact that I can talk about it now without crying yeah. is, is huge. Yeah. Um, and I might cry a little bit. <laughs> it's great. But Go for it. This yeah. is a real, this is a real vulnerable session. Exactly. Thank exactly. you for being but so But I'm able to see the reaction before the reaction happens. Yeah. And I'm able to respond yeah. better. Not always great. Because <laughs> yeah. I'll get you. I get you if I get fired up. Yeah. But I'm able to, I'm able to see the reaction before the reaction happens yeah. a lot better than I used to be. Cause I used to, um, just go for the drinks or go for the smoke or go for the drugs or go for the escape. And, and I'll still do that every once in a while, but it's more mindful. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I know that I'm doing it. It's not like I'm just all of a sudden, you know, shit faced, um, yeah. Yeah. And, or and that's, yeah. also the, um, how often you're doing it, because I feel like when you have the other tools to turn to and you, you notice the difference in how you feel and the more you turn towards them, the easier it becomes, but we're all right. human. We're all going to have our moments. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. and, and that's part of the loving and acceptance, like okay, I'm going to let myself be what I need to be and who I need to be right now and get this out. And it's not, see, here's the beauty of it. Nothing's ever bad. Maybe that needed to come out. Maybe that needed to happen because then it leads to this and this and this and this. Right. Um, so nothing's ever bad and it's all part of the journey. And I love that you can admit that you still have things that you're working on. And that's, that's all of us, right? Whether we want to admit it or not, and the fact that you can admit it is so brave and beautiful and, and tell like it's telling of the work that you're doing and that you really do see that bigger, better version of yourself. And all we can do is continue to work on ourselves because there's so much to unpack as a human for the years that we've lived. Right. All we can do is be aware and be like, oh, yep, that was me. All right. Mm. I'm going to go work mm. on myself now. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. So tell me, please tell the listeners, because I, I love this, that um, how you got into yoga, even before the teacher training, because it's so, so unique. And it what, really, teaching? yes, yes. Yeah. And this is like, I love this because it's the epitome of anybody <laughs> can become a, like anybody, all you need is the passion, right? To do it and you can do it. Yeah. You can even be on acid and do yoga. It's so, I mean, some of the first times that I actually, and I mean, 
I wouldn't say that I, I taught. I more like led um, classes. I used to teach my friends um, at my parents' house. They live, um, my mom is remarried. And so my mom and my stepdad live in this beautiful, they have like seven acres in Michigan. And so I used to have friends over there and I would, I would, I don't even know if you know who Eric Schiffman is. Um, Eric, old school. I had these VHS videos like Eric Schiffman and Allie McGraw. She's an actress. And they're like doing yoga at a beach. And like Rodney Yee, I had these videos. So I would just basically, you know, lead lead these like little mini classes doing the things that I saw in these videos and whatever. And from books, like I had an old school light on yoga and I would, you know, try to do those Iyengar poses. Um, but yeah, so I would do that. And then I would also just start to, I used to um, go to a lot of Grateful Dead shows and a lot of fish shows and jam bands, like widespread panic and yada, yada, yada. And we would always tailgate, you know, and I very often, I sold a lot of stuff like kind veggie burritos I sold and patchwork dresses and stuff. So we would always have like a kind of a group of people around and I would do yoga and people would come and people would just like saunter by. And then all of a sudden there would be like three people and four people. And I would be like leading these people in, in yoga. And, you know, I'm sure that most of them were not sober. Um, Some of them were, because I did find one time there's this group of people called the wharf rats. I think they're called. And it's like a, like a um, sober, like, community at dead shows and I think at fish shows too um and so I taught yoga in parking lots before concerts before I ever even went to a a real studio class I had gone to these like community ed classes with my mom Mm -hmm. but never like to a real studio class yeah um and that's another funny story too but yeah we did I love that because at yoga (laughs) You and you never know because here's where it's like the benefits can outweigh anything else. So you yeah. never know what that it's maybe it was their first experience and then that led them oh yeah into doing more yoga. Mm-hmm. Um maybe they had this like beautiful aha moment. Um maybe it changed their reality. Like you could have you could have had a hand in changing their reality totally um, right then and there. And that that's that's the gift of yoga, right? Is that we have the ability to do that. Um, so I love that. I, that's so unique. And I love that it started that way. And then tell us more about going into teacher training. Like, what did that look like? What led you to it? What was your final? Yes, I want to do this. Um, and I was what just did- telling my friend Danny this the other day and she cracked up. So I went to a yoga studio in Brighton, Michigan called Yoga mm-hmm. Center for Healthy Living. Yeah. And she, Leanne Louise Prescott had this, um, she had a teacher training program and she came up to me during the class. I think it was in plow pose. She came up to me and she said, you have such a beautiful practice. And I was like, I mean, I was a cheerleader in high school. So I was super flexible, super bendy. I mean, that's that was one of the first things that really like, kind of like drew me, it drew me in, even in those, um, I was showing off. Yeah. Basically. You had the skills. That's, that's so funny. Cause that parallels mine in, I was a gymnast. Yeah. So, right. Ditto until I, I wasn't, but 
Exactly. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Same. I'm not putting my foot behind my head anymore, but I used to really like to do that kind of stuff because I was good at it and I could do it. Yeah. And this woman told me, she was like, you have such a beautiful practice. You know, we have a teacher training program here. I just totally she baited me right into it. Yeah. And um, I was like, oh, that's I what you get for showing yoga. off. I must be good at yoga. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good at it. Yes. And so I was like, well, wow. Like, actually, I really did enjoy like, and my friends who would come over and, and stuff. And whenever we would do it, like, people would always say, oh, that I feel so good and, you know, yada, yada. And I was like, well, wow, like maybe I can do this. I'm going to try it out. I'm going to, I was cleaning houses at the time. And I know my friend Kelly Love is going to probably hear this. And so God love her, but I was cleaning toilets in Ann Arbor and all these like rich, big houses. I mean, it was a great company. My friends owned it and stuff, but I mean, that was like, you know, and before that I had waited on tables and worked in the restaurant industry for so years. It was, was kind of like, what's my next step? And this is yeah. the universe and is I presenting like, this to me and yeah. let's go with it. Like people see that I have this gift for it. Mm -hmm. I'm helping others. Cause it sounds like that was a, a component of it where you realize too, wow, it's benefiting others. Let's roll with it. Let's do it. Yeah. So you and committed. so from then on, it was like full on full on practice. And I mean, that is when my life really started to shift. Cause I started to realize like, I can't go out and like party the night before and then wake up and have to go to these sessions. Cause it was heady. It wasn't like, I thought it was going to be like, you know, teaching me how to teach poses, but it, we had to read all these like, you know, books about, you know, depression and about, it was like, Oh, wow. Is, I'm not, was it like what you call a typical training uh, or no? Well, she was Shivananda trained um, and a little bit older. And there were like, we had to watch the way of the peaceful warrior. There was a lot of like chakra stuff and um, like a lot of books about just more like feelings. I mean, we studied like the philosophy, but not very much. Okay. So, and I know that that's not part of many like 200 hour trainings, but to be honest with you, I was like angry when it was over because I didn't feel at all ready to like be standing in front of a room of people and teach them. How ironic because you at taught, all. you taught like on the fly so many times. What what but I was just mimicking yeah. those videos okay I was just like saying okay let's go bridge pose yeah you know like and showing people yeah. so I wasn't like really standing up in front of a bunch of people saying step your right foot forward place your back heel okay. inhale lift your arms up and there was very little of that in my training oh so so there wasn't yeah, the dialogue was like of like how to teach the flow and then yes. it almost sounds like there was a lack of choreography as well, like planning a class and planning how to put your choreography together. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Like I was more prepared to teach like just a very, a very like gentle yoga class. We did a lot of, um, we did a lot of pranayama, a lot of like breath work. We had to do all these and it's like and really what I, what I did with that first training too, is when I first started teaching and that's another story too, but, um, 
I just really mimicked her because I didn't know there was no voice train, how to find your own voice or, you know, like anything like that. And so, yeah, I left kind of, kind of pissed off Mm -hmm. and not like I wasted my money, but I wasn't ready. I wasn't ready for all of the deep emotional work that, you know, I kind of felt like I could just go to therapy for this. Like, I just want to learn how, you know what I mean? And eventually I went back and I read those books all over again, Mm -hmm. you know, but like while it was happening, I was like, fuck this. Well, because I remember I had a hood on when we watched the way of the peaceful warrior at her house. I was like, I paid $3,000 to sit here on a Friday night. I just put, and I was in like just total tight. Like, I can't believe this is happening right now. Like teach me how to teach triangle pose. That's all I want. But then like years later, I went back and I read that book. And, um, so, you know, I mean, it's like, I just, sometimes you're just not ready for that heady stuff. And I tell people every time they're going into a teacher training, like be prepared to dive into some of your shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally. It totally comes up. And I want to go back to that because you had said you, you'd kind of struggled with it too, and it changed your life. So I want to touch on that, but before, before I, I do, um, uh, organizing my thoughts, the, the journey, the journey of the teacher itself, because I feel like it follows a flow. And I've heard a couple different podcasts actually speak on this where you have your different phases as an instructor itself. And it kind of mirrors like when we're learning anything in life, right? There's the phases to it. So at first it's just getting the grasp of what you're doing. And a lot of that is the physical and the postures and how to lead a class so that's like an essential building block because that is your class, mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the, what you're actually giving to students. And, and then you kind of develop the other things, the inner dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's almost the practice of the yogi itself. So it's just so beautiful to see this parallel between the yoga students and the teachers. We're both developing Mm-hmm. Um, at our own rate, at our own pace and our own journey, but we're both developing side by side and not only the physical postures, but also internally. And when you first start yoga, I don't think a lot of people realize or, or get it that it can really change not only your external, but more importantly, so many things internally. If your inner landscape, yeah. If you're if yeah. you're open to it and mm-hmm. because you can go into a class and be like, no way. I'm just here to do the physical practice. I know we've had some talk about this, um, but I'm just here to do the physical practice. I don't want any of the rest. And I wonder if you continue to immerse yourself, if you eventually have that shift. I mean, I know I saw it in myself, but I also sought it and also had some emotional um, things going on where I, I consider it a spiritual awakening. Um, but there's so, so much more to, to just the physical practice. So tell me a little bit more about like how you had to change through your training. Well, yeah, I mean, when I first started teaching, I got, I got thrown in. So I graduated from my teacher training program in, I think it was like April. Okay. Oh, you um, mentioned of that year was 
I was talking about, you had said you had to change your lifestyle when you started training because you mm-hmm. realized you couldn't be doing the same thing and like go through all this heavy training. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. So, I mean, that that's how I got kind of like saved by yoga um, because I could, you know, I tried it a couple of times. I tried to go out and party and do all the normal things I would do and then get up and have like a three hour practice the next morning at six o'clock. Or your stomach's like, turning and you're <laughs> just like gonna die. Um, and so it just didn't, it didn't go together. It, and so I definitely had to, had to like make some changes and like reel it in. And it was, it was not hard. It was very easy. I just kind of made the choice and, um, and just kind of did it. And then a lot of other things, like I started getting really into, like, I got really into certain aspects, especially of the teacher training. And, um, one of them was mantra. Okay. And, um, and that was really like, I liked meditating. Um, but I, I really felt like I needed them all to be like, uh, led, like I needed to be guided into it. I needed someone to be speaking and kind of giving me props. Um, and then when we started getting into mantra and Yapa mantra, the repetition of mantra, um, I was like, oh, this is, this is my jam. And that was hugely helpful because I was still like smoking cigs at the time, you know, and like, um, to, to not do that. Cause I, I didn't feel obviously I'm doing all this breath work and shit. I didn't feel great smoking cigarettes and doing that. So yeah. I would use those, those meditations and those mantras when like, again, seeing the reaction before the reaction happens and responding to just pull it in and I would sit and, you know, pick my favorite mantra and like repeat it a couple of times until it kind of like went away, you know, the urge went away and yeah. And so there was a lot of stuff like that too. I mean, we weren't supposed to eat meat. Mm -hmm. Um, During the training, you weren't supposed to eat meat? No. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Was that like a requirement of it? Well, it was like, you know, with the whole meta loving kindness with, you know, ahimsa, non-harming. It was like, we were really supposed to follow these like guidelines of, you know, being a good yogi. And, you know, to be quite honest, we had had to like journal about this stuff every day. I talk about like how we had a yoga meal or, um, and my my first teacher, she was also a school teacher. So she would take our journals at the end of the week and she would like write in them. She would put stars and like heart. Oh yeah. She wow. was every bit of a, of an elementary school teacher. Yeah. And what um, if a student didn't want to? Cause I would, well, like, I totally lied in it, Christina. I totally lied. I was like, oh yeah, I had grapefruit for breakfast. You were working for the star. <laughs> oh, there was no, I was, there was no satya. There was no truth. I was just like get me through this. I want bacon. I mean, (laughs) and well, that's, and that's the acceptance of like, you don't have to be a certain way to do yoga. If it leads you to making certain changes. Awesome. But let's still be human and do yoga as as the humans we are. 
<laughs> exactly. There's no judge. And I don't judge. I don't, ju I'm not going to judge this shit. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not. And I was for a little while, like a very judgy yogi and a very judgy yoga teacher. And anymore, I'm just like, whatever brings you to your mat. I that's, mean, that's like I don't want it. Yeah. That's the core. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't when, know if that answered your question. Um, it did. It did. It did. Well, and I liked, okay, before we move into to that direction of like the judgment that sometimes exists in the yoga world and bringing it back to just like the core essence, um, you had mentioned that it sounds like there was a discord with your smoking and um, with the way you maybe wanted to make change to be a healthier self. I'm not, is that, does that feel right? Mm -hmm. I'll put words in your mouth. And then I, I love how you brought up the, the mantras because I feel like that's a common theme with people shying away from meditation. Granted, of course, the brain is going to make up excuses as long as you haven't made up your mind. I'm going to change. I'm going to do this, right? Because we're, mm -hmm. we ultimately have to have that internal motivation or we won't do it. But um, a lot of people shy away from meditation because they're like, well, I can't do it. I can't get my brain to be mm -hmm. still. It keeps, the, and that's not the point of meditation. The point of meditation is to bring, like, be, just be aware of it. Absolutely. And, and come back to that space in between. Right. And for some people, I feel like mantras is a great way. Cause I remember, um, I really got into yoga right as I separated from my ex-husband about two and a half years ago. And I had a lot of emotional things going on. And the only thing that would really, I couldn't lay there and meditate, you know, my brain would just go doo -doo -doo -doo, like spiral. Um, yeah. The only thing that really helped me was listening. I listened so much to Abraham Hicks and it would put me in a meditative state. So that's a mm -hmm. lot like a mantra where you, you have something to focus on and you don't have to mm -hmm. focus on your brain. So I think that's a beautiful tool for some people who are like, who shy away from it because their mm -hmm. brain is on a continuous go. Maybe a mantra right. helps, maybe a guided meditation helps where they continuously have you focusing on something so that you don't have to, you don't have to focus. I mean, you do, but you don't. Does, does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, I think that. giving people, giving people tools like that is amazing. Cause if mm -hmm. you would have told me the only way to meditate is to just sit there and be quiet and sit Indian style on this rug and, you know, um, close your eyes and notice your thoughts, you know, 10, 12 years ago, I'd have told you to go fuck yourself. I, you know, so it's like, okay, well, if you can't do that, it's just like, I teach bar, I teach like other fitness classes. And it's like, you know, you don't want somebody just sitting there, not they've, you know, they've come, they want to work on themselves. They what they've clearly here for a reason, you know? And if you're just like, this is the only way you can do it or you're screwed, then they're never going to come back. They're not going to come back to it, you yeah. know? So noticing that and that's and that's part of being a an observer too of you know of people who are around you if you want somebody to get into meditation help them yeah give them some other tools and some other ways to do it and I mean finding that for me was was a way in and now I can sit yeah I might yeah. have to start it leads with a little to, it leads to it I love I love that the all-inclusivity and honestly if we 
especially as instructors make it about having to be a certain way that actually talks more about our rigidity than oh, yeah. the students um, and our internal narrow-mindedness, which is the complete opposite of yoga. Yoga is supposed to open your mind and body. So getting out of our internal judgments of what well, has to be this way. No, it doesn't. And if we mm -hmm. keep trying to push it, that it has to be any certain way that turns people away from it. And we know, like, we know the power that yoga has to change so mm -hmm. many things. Like I get chills as I say it. And so when you know that power, like, and you see that, that that's almost a trigger, right? And you're avoiding the universe continues to give you what you yourself aren't like what we resist persists. So that's mm -hmm. your own internal trigger. And that can be a huge block um, to getting your message through to being in your true authenticity and empowering state as an instructor to get to, to more people to get them into that yoga room. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I used to be to be honest, you know, and to be really real, I was a very mean yoga teacher at the very beginning. Um, it was like, I remember, God, I'm just, I'm horrified at some of the things that I used to do, but, um, like, I remember, I remember being obsessed with Chaturanga and, and like, if you couldn't do it this certain way, I would clap my hands and be yeah. like, lower down onto your knees. Like somehow I, you know, I was like, you're, you, you know, punish them. You in my them? brain, I'm like, I want these people to be safe. I want them to do it the proper way. Okay. But to be honest, I don't know any of these. I don't know any of these people. I mean, very few of them when I first started teaching were regular students and they become, they became even, I don't know how they must've liked to get yelled at, but they would come back and I would get to know them. But at first or they saw your true colors underneath <laughs> Or yeah, you know, it's like, I, you know, I would kind of do it with a grain of salt and be like kind of funny about it, but I was still very serious about it. Yeah. And, um, I can't they remember what I was to say, but I'm like mortified that I did that because it's like, because now I kind of think like how, you know, I hear people say like, oh, I want to keep them safe. So it's alignment, alignment, alignment. And I used to do so much alignment and it had to be this way, but it's like, if you don't really know the person, you know, their knee isn't an eminent danger because it goes in front of their ankle or, you know, they're not going to die because their elbows are in next to their ribs and chaturanga, like, you know, like to be safe, like, what do we know, you know? And so I'm just like mortified and like, I just evolved as a teacher and I just like let a lot of that go. But I, I was very much, it was about me and trying to like prove myself as a knowledgeable teacher yeah, and the, the ego once I started to see that it really took like it really took like a different type of yoga it took like the free-flowing kind of um loud music dark room kind of um yoga to to get me out of that and to make me realize that everybody moves in a different way and there's no right or wrong and there's no black and white um, and that started to help me start to step out of my self and more into the seat of the teacher who observed 
and wanted to include everyone rather than exclude a lot of people. Yeah, I love that. I love those words that you just put and that whole analogy because it is, it isn't about ourselves. And a lot of times, I think a lot of trainers just in the industry itself, it's kind of the nature of we're drawn into it and and ego. Like a lot of us will have a large ego because we train our bodies so much. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe we get a lot of compliments and, or we just haven't grown that way in our journey yet. I see myself mirrored a lot in that I was a Pilates instructor and that led me eventually into yoga but I saw a lot of that in the, in, as a Pilates instructor, where it was like, it has to be this way or. Right. And then as I evolved, it became not about me, but more about the, what, what am I bringing? Like, what am I bringing to other people? What is this even about? And thankfully I remember going through my own teacher training with Sumit. I did it through Sumit and he would always drill that point in bless that man that he would be, it's not, think about bigger than you. It's not about you. Think bigger, think bigger. And I finally started to grasp that. And when you get to the core of why am I here? What am I doing? What, what are my values? What am I trying to offer and gift students? Mm -hmm. And you do such a beautiful job with it. And it is, oh gosh, thank you. It it is acceptance. And there is a spot for you here and move how it feels good in your body, because guess what? I'm not in your brain and body. I don't know how it feels good. So you're, you're going to be the best person. Yes. There's still that safety of it all, but again, there's the fine lines. (laughs) Let's I know I crack up though. When, when like, I just gotta be honest, like I crack up. It's like, you know, to keep your spine safe or to keep your knees safe. It's like, like we're talking about safe, like art is your knee being chased by a cougar yeah. or by a bear right now. It's not like you're moving in a way that a human is made to move. Like, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. just that kind of like whole, like rigidity, like it has to be in this realm of like safety. And it's like, yeah, I mean, like I'll see people doing stuff that looks like it's maybe going to hurt them. Mm-hmm. in class but if I don't know them or it's the first time I've ever seen them mm-hmm. and I mean stuff is different now because we can't really be going over and like I I don't touch yeah. people anyway With but them. um I just sort of let them do it if it doesn't look like they're gonna break something or pull something and you know there, there's that fine line of if the, you don't know that person you don't know that person's body same thing with really deep um corrections and adjustments in class too it's like unless you know my practice do not touch me yeah yeah so you're t- even if you do know my practice you don't know what happened to me yesterday so don't touch me yeah yeah and some people like it but some people love it and some people don't want to come to my class because I'm not going to give you a neck rub or a foot rub or a massage or whatever um but then some people love it like that's why some people came to my classes was because I was mean and they would be like Andy tell me what I'm doing wrong yeah I want to know you know some people are like that they want I used to want to know that 
I used to love when my teacher would come over to me and be like, bend your right knee more, turn the ankle out, put the arm up. Oh, here. And I'll take, you know, I'd be like, yay, I'm a good yogi. You know, (laughs) it it hits the perfectionism of like, I'm doing it right. Um, And that, I think, so that's where there's a space for everybody in the yoga world. Right. And there's everybody, you'll find your teacher. You got to find your teacher. Yes. Find your tribe. And then also that speaks to of like classroom etiquette you know if we're gonna stand there as teachers and see one mistake and then just instruct the whole room on that one person oh right um, is that any better than just doing the class for ourselves versus there's a, a middle ground I think of still going up privately right to the, the client right. and yeah. getting a little bit more information <laughs> tell me about you and your body like is there a reason that you're you're doing yeah. this that way and yeah like after class after yeah. class yeah yeah so there's the etiquette that goes into it to make sure that the client is still comfortable because again we that's that's the whole goal of yoga right is sharing the experience in a way as best as we can where everybody feels comfortable. And once they're, the mat is supposed to be a safe space. So you right. want to come back to your exactly. mat. And, and you pra- don't know, like you said earlier, you don't know why these people came to their practice that day. Yeah. Yeah. And what they want to do. Different reasons you know? and different days. It gives different reasons to come to your practice. Um, some days it could be, oh, I'm, I'm kicking it. Like I do want to nail all those poses. Yeah. And then other days, it's if you tell me one more adjustment, I'm literally going to get up and leave my mat. And leave. Yeah, for sure. And that's, for sure. that begets the point. I know we've had some discussion on this before as well as, as like, where does the middle ground fall and what we should do as instructors to promote an environment of all inclusivity and mm-hmm how we don't mm. want to take away from even the instructor's authenticity, right? Because mm-hmm. we want to show up as authentic beings and we're all in our own mm-hmm. in our own spots. And there is still a certain level of, of responsibility. Like for me, that does go in on that day where I don't want any, I don't want to be told anything. I need to own where I'm at yeah. that day on my mat and that it's my problem. It was my mm-hmm. trigger, you know? And then owning as instructors, well, we're always doing the best we can and we're we're always growing too. So that middle ground of let's just take responsibility for what, for what is ours and Mm -hmm. try to avoid projecting it onto others so that we can all be our own authentic self in any situation. Absolutely. Totally. There is a, there is a very, there's a, you're never going to please probably everybody in the class. I mean, sometimes you are. And that's great. And, and sometimes you're, you're going to think that you just did something like horrible and everybody loved it. So, I mean, it's just really, I, I personally, and I don't know if a lot of teachers do this, but I've told a lot of new teachers this, I um, have a teaching journal and I, I, I use it to write my flows or my sequences and whatever. Um, But I make notes after almost every single class I teach and I've been doing this ever since I started teaching. Oh, um, I love and it's, that. it's, oh, it's a huge, I mean, it's a huge 
Because totally. you'll, I'll look back sometimes and I'm like, wow, I was really mean to myself. Like, did I not do the meta meditation before I did this class? Like, I can't believe I just said those things about myself. And then sometimes I'm like, you know, I get insight about, you know, we're, we're using our voices. I mean, especially if we're not modeling the poses in front of the class, which I, I don't think is a good idea normally ever, but um, if we're using our voices to try to get people to get into these positions mm -hmm. and then, you know, we're also speaking to sometimes, um, you know, energy, energies in the body and um, emotions or whatever we're speaking to, mm -hmm. our voice needs to be clear. And sometimes it's because the person doesn't want, they're not listening. They don't hear you. They're more visual kind of learner mm -hmm. or they don't want to hear you yeah. or they don't understand the way that you're explaining it. So writing stuff down after class, especially if, you know, you had somebody maybe in the class who just, you didn't think that was like getting it. It's like, maybe I wasn't saying it correctly. And to write that stuff down for me has been, has been really huge. You find out what works and what resonates mm -hmm. and what you need to change. I love that. It's and clarify. I'm not super, I'm not, I'm not like trying to reinvent myself every day, but every day I want to evolve as a teacher. Mm -hmm. And sure. that's the work that I have to do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. That's very, that's a powerful tool because it, it's a self-reflective for you. Um, and yeah, it definitely helps you evolve and you can also see your progress. So you can look mm -hmm. back and see the ways you have changed. Oh, and absolutely. Also clarifying like being, because that is a huge part is the words that we speak <laughs> and how we tell people to get into poses, um, the, the whole dialogue of it. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. It's just giving yourself feedback and always, I try to give myself positive feedback mm -hmm. too, you know, but that's my struggle. That's my struggle. I'm always going to, I'm always going to put like what needs to be worked on first, but the first, yeah, I mean, it definitely, it definitely helps and it helps um, kind of create like a space, I guess just a space for myself to, um, to lift sort of like boundaries because I'll put, and I think a lot of us do that. We've been taught a certain way, but when you can really learn from your experience, yeah. and I'm not saying never take a class or, you know, I mean, obviously that's, I think that's really important, but. Well, that's an I extreme. Really, We're not <laughs> I teach a lot from my own experience, yeah. whether it's like the sensations I feel in my own body, I'll try to. I'll try to, I'll try to give those to see if people like verbally to see if people can maybe, and you watch bodies and you can see the shifts and you can see if that maybe it's working or not. So I think just, just being present with your own practice, your own teaching and your own experience and teaching from that space has been huge for me anyway, as a teacher. Yeah. Yeah, just do what you can, right? From right here yeah. and evolve from that. 
And then it also sounds like you were going into, it helps you see the self-limited, um, almost like the tunnel vision that will impose on ourselves if we have to do this this certain way and help right. you expand and grow out of that. And I also love, so you still want to have both, right? We want to be able to hear the critique and the feedback. Granted, we're not always going to please everybody. So we just want to make sure it resonates with us as our authentic beings and who we are. Mm -hmm. But we also do the, the two sides of the coins, the dualarity, the polarity, they exist together. You can't have one without the other. So while we're all, there's always going to be things that we can perhaps improve upon, but there's always going to be things that we do beautifully and like exactly celebrate those because they offset each other. Um, and while our journey might never be done, we'll ne we'll never be perfect, but we still have things that we do wonderfully well. We want to celebrate. Yeah. And, recognize those. and those really become, I think your truth. And like I was saying before, mm -hmm. you know, there are some things, obviously many things that I've let go of in teaching and in my practice, but there are some things that have become like fundamentally true to me and they might not be tomorrow because I'm evolving, but you know, there have been things that have been a constant and things that I know that work and that I can, you know, have conversations after class with people who say like a lot of the same things. And so it is a huge tool. Yeah. Yeah. And then to be able to let go of the things that aren't working. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah that does. Because you don't want to have a temper tantrum in the middle of a class yeah. because nobody gets what you're saying. I mean, you but. could. <laughs> you if could. You keep, if I, it keeps showing up, it might be something that you need to address. Like, everybody, everybody stop. Let's regroup. Like, Look at this. Okay. Look at me right now. We're all going to do it this way. <laughs> and we're not going to progress until we do it this way. Um, Sometimes I'll say like what my teacher, and I know you've heard me say this because we're not supposed to move around in this COVID era, right? Yeah. We are not supposed to move around, especially in the classes where we're not wearing masks. Um, yeah. Like I teach at one studio where everybody in the room has masks. So I feel a little bit more comfortable going to a person specifically mm -hmm. and saying, okay, it really your right foot instead of your left foot. Like you could switch. But yeah. now it's like you've got a whole room on a Monday and everyone's like hungover. I don't know what's going on, but like no one is, everyone's oh, on man. the wrong side. And you're like, you heard me. I'm like the right, the yeah. right side. You know, we've all done this. Yes. And so, you know, I'll be like, if, if I say it more than once, it might be you. So just look down, <laughs> just, but see, but you can laugh I about it. Keep it light. Like, yeah, let's, <laughs> you can laugh about it. And I think that's the key component, right? Because we can do it in a way where it's like coming down on the person right. and that's more like the judgmental, or we can do it in a way where like, Hey, we're all human. We all do that. <laughs> And let's all get back with the class. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, like, tell me some of the truths um, that you've kind of realized are your truths, be it with the practice, be it uh, who you are authentically as a being that shines through in the practice. Um, what are some of those truths that you were talking about? Like in my own practice or in teaching? Both. I guess there are some that go both ways. Yeah. Yeah, because what um, we learn as teachers is also like our internal. 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think um, I have really um, given myself permission to allow my practice, my own personal practice to be whatever it needs to be um, at, at that present moment. Um, and that's something that I really try. I want more and more and more to allow everybody who comes into my class to be practicing their yoga. Um, and I like to, I'm a teacher. I do. I'm, I, I don't like to, I don't even like to say like some classes it's, it's, it's kind of loose instruction. I do a couple free flow classes where I'm just like, here's the poses and then you go. But like when I'm teaching a more mindful class, when we're all moving together and there's not a lot of that, just go on your own kind of thing. Mm -hmm. I do like to teach, yeah. but I want it to include everybody. So I, one truth is that I really, I really feel like I need to just look at people and I walk back and forth in my little cage now, since I can't go into the room and I really try to observe people and um, allow for them to make adjustments. I think that this is really important. We can go so crazy with alignment, mm -hmm. but I think that's that should be saved for people when you're watching them, students that are in front of you that you really know. And even if you really know them, you don't know them today as well as you did, you know, I mean, like, we, we all change, but I think just a, one of the major truths is that I want everybody to do their own practice. I want to be, I want to be able to do my own practice Love that. and I want everybody else, you know, who comes to my class to be able to do their practice. And I, I want to be better at really holding that space. I love, yeah, I, I love that you said those words. That's what I, that's exactly what I thought was holding the space of, it's almost like a lack of, of judgment and just allowing the what is and it, it, the internal or external is always reflected by the internal. So it, it could be that you're also getting better at that within yourself. And then the more you hold space for yourself, the more you oh, hold space for the class. Yeah. And just being, um, it's speaking from my own experience and it's not just the physical practice, mm -hmm. um, but I, I will always probably, and I hate to say that, I don't know if I'll always do it because tomorrow is totally different than today, but I, for the past, for the past um, something that has really held tight to me is that I, I'm not just going to show up with like a roomy poem and have a theme about it. Mm -hmm. um, everything I share, it comes from my experience. So, and I think that that's important because I mean, there are some really good storytelling teachers, some phenomenal storytelling teachers. I've tried that kind of stuff. It doesn't, it doesn't like, I just feel detached from it. But if I'm talking about something, you know, that I'm going through or um, it, it might be a poem that really spoke to me, then I feel like I can really integrate it into the practice if I need to. Like sometimes my classes, the theme is breath and movement. Mm -hmm. Is I, right? I mean, like that's a lot. Breath and, I, and movement. 
I love that because that speaks that you're going, you're really going to the root of your authentic experience and what speaks to you. Like you're bringing your heart space emotion into the practice versus just, I mean, yeah, for some teachers, it absolutely might work. And it's not um, looking down on instructors at all that, that are able to go out there and pull a quote and work from that. That's mm-hmm. beautiful. And if that works for you, that's awesome. Cause they're probably still, they are still bringing their emotion through. And then for some of us, it is, it sounds almost more like just being present in the moment to yourself mm-hmm. and then allowing that to speak and come through um, versus having to have this set, set dialogue, which can kind of sometimes also limit, not necessarily, but it, it sounds like presence. Yeah, absolutely. And so people can, I, I just, my, I guess my goal with it is to, is to really, cause then I am holding space for myself mm-hmm. and I'm with you. Yeah. You know, I'm with you. If, if you're feeling a lot of times I try to keep it really loose and really vague, you know, but like everybody is, is in a boat right? We're not, I hate that we're in the same boat shit. We're not in the same boat, but we're all in a boat. Some of us are in a dinghy. Some of we're us all are in the in ocean. Yacht. We're all in the ocean. Yeah. We're all in the ocean <laughs> together. Some of us don't even have a boat. Some of us are like the Titanic and we're just like kind of holding on to like a piece of fucking wood, but <laughs> don't let um, go. But we're, <laughs> but we're all, we're all healing. We're all, you know, on a healing journey. Mm. And I just, I guess, want to share from my authentic, and I don't, I try not to use I or me or stories about me every once in a while that comes out and I want to smack myself, but I mean, whatever, I'm human, but I do share from my own experience. Yeah. I do share from my own experience. And that is a truth um, that I, that I really is important to me. That's probably like my number one is that I'm, I'm talking to myself too. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking to me. It's a note to myself. Yeah. And there you know, can't, I'm not up here saying it to you. Mm-hmm. You need to do it, but it's, it's a note to self. It's right here. It's yeah. all in the circle. And we are still part of the experience um, as, as the class. So we are included in that room. It's centered. It's the energy of all of us that are in there. So how could we not, we, we want to still honor ourselves. Right. And the more we can honor ourselves in that experience, the more than we can also honor everybody else internal to the, the external. Would you, would you say that that's part of like your mission? Do you have an overall mission with yoga as far as, um, what you, what you want it, what you want to gift or what you want it to, I almost want to say mean to you, but what would your overall mission be with the yoga world? I mean, really what I'm striving, like what my, what my, I guess my goals and my overall like kind of desire to be a teacher that, um, is inclusive and that is that is mindful and present in the room and that 
gives people space to to really explore and to feel their movements, their bodies, um, linking the breath with movement and responding with breath in different positions. Um, I think is, is the biggest thing I'm striving really to, to just allow people to have an experience on their mat. That's unique to them in a group setting. Yeah. Yeah. We're all, you know, to, to move energy through their body in a way that's unique, but even, you know, together, together in a room and that's a, it's a, it's a hard job. (laughs) You're great at it. We can't tell at all. And to add on to that, um, because you said the portion about the breath. So, and that is still part of yoga, right? It's the tools. So Mm -hmm. giving people the space to have their own experience within a group experience, their own individual experience in a group experience and still being gifted with the tools because we know how powerful the breath can be in connecting you fully. It drops your mind fully into your body and brings you fully right here and right now and in that presence. So it's, it's a very, very powerful tool that can do so much in your life. The more you learn it and apply it. I mean, think, think of being present to, I know, like for me personally, being present to my children, like, but really present where, um, oh, wow, we're, we're running out the door. Right. And I realize I'm present to myself and I'm like, I'm stressed and I can let that shit go. I don't have to be stressed. Like, Mm -hmm. so what we're going to be, so I don't have to fall into that old pattern of then taking my stress out on them. Right. Right. And then we have this horrible car ride. Um, and like, we're all in silence and like, there's tension as I drop them off. I can actually mm-hmm. be present and laugh at myself. Right. And then enjoy the ride with them. We yeah. can all laugh and be like, look, mommy had a moment. Right. Cause mommy's a work in progress. Yes. And, and I couldn't do that <laughs> without the mindfulness. Like, yeah, so it's, it's, I love that you brought that in. Cause it's a huge, huge, huge tool. Um, that can serve absolutely I know and it's like I I've I've been given feedback so many times saying and I'm like over it at this point saying that I tell people to breathe too much and I'm like but it's part of the yoga I'm looking at the people and they're not breathing so instead of saying some filler shit about you know open up your right knee or you know do this with your hand like breathe yeah. Yeah. Just breathe. <laughs> breathe. You know, I recently, <laughs> I, I have an idea and I'm going to patent this idea. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm putting that out on the air. Um, I had a client recently ask me, cause even when I'm giving classes, I'll deep, I'll breathe with the Ujjayi breath. Mm-hmm. And I had a client ask another client in a class, like, does she put that in her music? like record that with her music. And I was like, mm. what a great mm. idea. What if we had like mm-hmm. tracks playing as yoga instructors? Oh, yeah. Cause just to hear that breath sometimes reminds oh. you like, oh yeah, 
I gotta breathe. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a massive attack song I play all the time. I think yeah. it's called like Heartbeat. Do you know that song? You gotta look know. it up on Spotify. I think so and it's like I'll play it a lot when um like if we've just done like a, a couple of flows, but it's got this like like you can hear it. Yeah. And I'll have everybody just kind of like stand or sit down and like put their hands on their body and like it's very rhythmic breath in the yeah. in the song and it's awesome. But oh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a breathing class. And if people aren't breathing, it doesn't matter where their right foot is. Mm-mm. Who gives a shit? <laughs> You're not yeah. breathing. And then notice when you hold your breath, like why? Yeah. Like there's no, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean about keeping it loose. It's like, just notice, mm-hmm. just notice. There's, there doesn't need to be any attachment or right or wrong to it. Just notice well, you know, oh. when you hold your breath and where, where do you hold the tension when you do that? And can you just let it go? I mean, that's a huge thing. I love that. The observance. And I think it, it's, I mean, even the body awareness, because when we spend so much time on cues, um, it's building their body awareness, but it can be like, it can be a little overwhelming and information overload because especially for beginners, they're, they're learning. It's about that learning process. So little cues um, and then, but still making it about the breath because at the essence, yoga is the practice of the breath, the practice of mindfulness, the movement almost becomes secondary to everything else or to those two components. Yeah. And I mean, I think again, too, that, that yoga is whatever it means to you that day. I mean, mm-hmm. we could go back and forth and define what it is and yeah. what it is, you know, like some people would say, oh, well, she's not a, she's not a yogi because she eats bacon or because she drinks wine or because, you know, she smokes a joint, like whatever. It's like, just get out of it. And, you know, whatever brings you to your mat and if the other stuff seeps in great. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you can start to become, you can start to see that you should be a servant to your highest self. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than a slave to your habits. Yeah. The present. Great. Even if you smoke one less cigarette, like whatever, like let's just stop being like, you're not a yogi because you said this or you did that. It's like whatever gets you on your mat, even yep. if it's an hour of your day that you're a calm person. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe it's going to benefit you. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, and maybe that'll seep in. Maybe that'll seep into your life. Maybe it won't. Like we were talking about the other day, like maybe it won't. But, you know, for a lot of people, that's the only hour they have, mm-hmm. right, of the entire day. So let's not be judgy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> let's, not, let's not start talking about, you know, I mean, like do whatever you want. But it's like, I'm not going to start talking about the benefits of a vegan diet into a room of a bunch of people that I don't know who I have no idea who, you know, it's like, let's just get people to keep coming back to practice. There's workshops for that. Right. (laughs) There's a workshop setting. Right. Yeah. Let it, let's, I totally, I totally agree. And that's what I've always loved and felt from your classes, the all inclusive, the letting go of right or wrong. Um, I mean, I remember, I significantly remember once going into your, into the studio, taking your class and I was just showing up to my mat and I don't even remember what it was about, but I was hardcore beating myself up and just to have that space of like, let it go. And I hadn't even said anything to you. And, but just 
your whole message that morning was about letting shit go and, and like letting go of the right and wrong game. Um, just being in the moment. And that message spoke so much to me. I even think, remember you made a joke about like camping or something. And I just loved it because it was like, let it go. It doesn't matter. Just be right here. Just be human. Mm-hmm. Keep enjoying your journey yeah. instead of rushing through it and, and keep overcoming your perfectionism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, just I just think human. another thing too, back to the, like the overall thing is that you know, I just think, um, we need, you know, you can come to your yoga practice just for, for a physical practice. And that's awesome. Um, and in the letting go part, like let go of the stress or whatever it is. Also, you need to feel it. So we might get a little uncomfortable in one of my classes because, you know, I do, I do, I'm inviting you to feel it, whatever it is, you're feeling, whatever is coming up, feel it because you have to feel it before you can work with it and heal it before you can let it go. I mean, it's so easy to just say, just let it go. You know, I want to, I want to be clear about that. I, there, there's work to do before you can just poof, let it go, unless it's something you've already been working on. Um, yeah, you know, and so I, you might get a little uncomfortable there, there might be you know, some, some triggers that come up. I try not to, I don't want to be like a preacher or like a, you know, my class to be like a sermon, but I do, I do want people to feel and move through emotions. And I see people cry and I see people laugh and whatever it is, like you can go back and forth. I think that's a great yoga class when you move through some shit. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That's, I've always, taking that as the highest compliment is when I get compliments from, from clients that say, you really opened my heart space or I cried in Shavasana Mm -hmm. or um, comments on like presence and consciousness um, because that is, that is a part of it as well. And that's where a lot of healing can come in and using the awareness that you build in the practice to allow it to become that own, your own internal space and reshifting Mm -hmm. your internal landscape, um, and healing things and and letting them go. And absolutely you, you do need to face it, um, so that you, you can move through it. Um, my life coach, one of his favorite, one of the things that he, he says a lot of great things, but he's always said that, you know, we're going to have these wounds. Um, these wounds are going to be there and, they may become less significant with time, but feeling your way through them and knowing that they may continue to come up and not ignoring that. Um, and then also responding to it is a big part, which that whole internal awareness and process with the mindfulness and awareness helps us be that person to respond or be the person that we right. needed to, to have that response. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I love that. Um, all right. So tell me, I know that aside from yoga, you also make candles and I, I love it because you had brought up during the concerts when you were giving 
the yoga classes in the parking lots, you were also selling things. So it sounds like you've always had that creative uh, tooth in you and done creative endeavors. So you are selling soy candles. Is there any, any other products that you're, you're wanting or thinking about launching and tell me a little bit more about that? No, I mean, I really like making the candles. My mom had a candle making business for a really long time. Um, and she can't really do it anymore because of the, the scents and stuff is they're too strong for her, for her breathing. They kind of bother her lungs. So, um, she kind of handed it down to me and kind of taught me over the phone and (laughs) the internet how to make them. Um, but yeah, I just really, I mean, like anything creative, I have an Etsy account. It's not open right now, but I make a lot of dream catchers and light catchers and, little crystal hangy things. Um, but yeah, I mean, just having like, I'll get, I'll go, I'll go back and forth between things right now. Candles are my jam, but like I've done so many other things, but yeah, I think, um, that's, that's kind of my escape that is healthy. Right. So if I want to just kind of like get into something where I'm not like, really thinking not like escaping but just not really thinking about maybe bills or whatever mm-hmm. um I love to to be creative and I'll do I'll do anything I'll paint I have paintings I'll do, you should see my craft room it's it's really you could spend days in there um watch out I'm gonna ask for an invite <laughs> it, yeah totally it's like craft day at Andy's yeah, yeah. um but yeah. yeah I mean it's just it's just something I've always really been into, um, just making stuff, but also I, uh, my husband and I started doing, um, camping yoga and hiking retreats uh, a couple years ago. So we've only done two. Um, we kind of are waiting right now until this like COVID thing goes, Uh goes a little bit better. Um, but outdoor camping retreats where we take people, set up their tents for them and, um, have like a really, um, open space for people to come like very much come as you are come with, you know, whoever you are, you don't have to be a yogi, very unpretentious, um, space to kind of get dirty, to get dirty and to get gritty and to be out in nature and to laugh and cry and share and, um, just really be in a, in a, a open a free judgment zone where it's not, we're not at an ashram. We're not, you know, in some beautiful, um, resort somewhere. We don't have to, you don't you know, have pretend to be. to be anything else you are. If you want to drink a beer, you can have a beer, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be, I have a, um, actually a, a Facebook and, uh, um, Instagram account for that business. It's called happy camper yoga retreats. Okay. So if anybody wants to go ahead and follow that and put their email in, um, we'll be doing one pretty soon, probably in the desert at lost Dutchman state park. Okay. Awesome. Where's that? Yeah. Oh, it's over in the superstition. So down like Apache 60 down there. Yeah. Okay. Very cool. Sounds like a good, a safe space. Um, also for connection, just a space to be able to connect human connection, right? We all need it. And yeah, we've had some really beautiful experiences. Our Mm -hmm. last one was kind of magic. The, all the people that came together for it. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was 
serendipitous. It really was. It was just like a beautiful merging of a bunch of beautiful humans. And like I said, we laughed, we cried, we did yoga, you know, we jammed out to music, we did other things and it was fun. Empowering, empowering is a word. Oh yeah, for sure. Mine too. And then where can people find you on Etsy? I don't have it open right now, but it's called Grateful Spirit Dreams. And maybe this will be the conduit to make me get that open again. There you go. There you go. (laughs) Grateful Spirit Dreams. Yep. And there's a link to it. There's a link to it, I think, still on my um on my Facebook page, I think. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andy. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks our, for having me. Conversation. You're very welcome. And um, as just as a last little tidbit, any last words of light that you feel inspired to leave with listeners? Um, and it can be, be about anything. And even if you wanted to take a moment to kind of mentally digest um, and then share a message, but anything you wanted to share with listeners. I think my main thing would be is that I'm with you. I'm with you, right? I'm just here right next to you, walking, walking a path. Um, You know, if you need a hug, my air hug right now because of, because of COVID, but I'm with you. I'm a messy human. I'm totally human. I'm a work in progress. I'm not perfect. I'm not going to at you. I'm with you. And I think that's the biggest thing I would want to kind of get out there is that I'm just like you. I love that. Thank you for being vulnerable and helping others by giving yourself the space to do so. You give others the space to do so. And we're all just walking each other home. Exactly. Ram Das, love it. One of my favorite quotes. <laughs> all right, Andy. Hopefully it's a slow walk. <laughs> as long as you're taking one foot in front of the other. It's, let's just go real slow. You, you can even go backwards and then come back. It's always, always, always there. Always there. right. Always there. All right. Well, I will see you Thursday morning. And thank awesome. you again. Have a wonderful rest of your day, Andy. Thanks, thank Christina. You. Love you. Love you too. Bye, Bye sweetie. If you'd like to experience one of Andy's yoga classes in person, you can find her at Sweatshop on Central in downtown Phoenix, one of my personal favorite studios. You can also find her at the Biltmore Studio and at Lifetime in the Biltmore Arcadia area. Thanks so much for tuning in. Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the House of Minds. Cheers to mind expansion and un-